right, welcome to the Atheist Experience. We are live. It is Sunday, April 3rd, 2016, just uh, two days after International Atheist Day, April Fool's Day. Uh, and only and one, one day past my birthday, which was March 31st. So Happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel any older. I tried to put a happy birthday on your Facebook page, and it wouldn't let me. Uh, probably, yeah, I, I guess I got it set where, uh, where I'm the only one that can host there. Anyway, we are live. This is a live call-in television program sponsored by the Atheist Community of Austin, uh, dedicated to uh, supporting the Atheist Community and separation of religion and government. And we take calls from uh, theists and atheists alike talking about, you know, what, what people believe and why, whether or not we should, whether or not it's a good thing, and anything else that happens to pop into somebody's mind. I'm Matt Delonte hosting you this week, and joining me... John Eichleddy. Yay. Good to be back. That's where the audience on the other side of the glass is actually in, like, they're on their feet right now. You just can't see them. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, for more information about how to contact the show, you can see the telephone number shows up right down here. And we have six lines, and they're all full right now. So if you're trying to call in now and getting a busy signal, that's why. But you can also go to atheist-experience.com, which is the website for the TV show. And you'll find a section there on how to contact the show, including a nice, neat little green link that says Call the Show. And if we're on the air and you click that, you'll have basically the same sort of setup as you would for Google Hangouts or Skype or anything where you're, where you're having a conversation over your computer or mobile device. Please have some headphones on so that we don't get that loop of hearing ourselves on a massive delay. And uh, make sure that your audio equipment and everything is set up properly. The call screeners will probably check that with you. If, if they can hear you, we can probably hear you. But So how have you been? Been doing all right. Some little bug has been going through our family the last couple of weeks, so we've all been kind of down for the count, but uh, feeling better. Cool. I was at a magic auction this weekend, and uh, there were several people who were sick, and I was like, no, please don't get me sick, because tomorrow, uh, after I'm done with... Tonight's show, I've got to do some shopping and packing because about 7 o'clock in the morning or so, I leave on a flight heading up to St. Louis where I'll be going out to uh, St. Charles Community College. The Secular Student Alliance there is having me up to do some magic and talk about skepticism. So we'll have a good time there. Cool. But it's a call-in show, and we want to make sure we get to everybody's calls. As a reminder, when the show is over, people involved with the show get together and go to Threadgills, which would be right up that way, and then you turn, and it's just a little bit up the road on your left if you were coming from the building. If not, you can look up the address once they put it on the bottom of the screen. It'll be so, along there any minute now. So we got Sam in the UK. Thanks for waiting. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Okay, should I... Yeah, did you have a specific question for us or something you want to talk about? Yeah, well, I, I think there is a scientific evidence for God. Uh, okay. I think uh, a lot of people... Uh, you know, especially atheists and even most of the believers, they don't really see the evidence that exists for God. So when you say um, there's scientific evidence for God, I'm wondering, I mean, you're aware at least that the, you know, the bulk of experts in science wouldn't agree with you. Yeah, I understand that. I understand where they're coming from. Uh, I've looked at the, you know, some of the research on like, you know. So, so I guess the big question is, what is it that's convinced you in and why, and do you think any of the rest of us should be convinced for the same reason? Uh, one of the things I was looking at was the formation of planets and stars. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, when you read the you know the journals or news stories, you read about the theories that you know dust is in space, and then dust sort of maybe collapses, or there's a gravitational instability, and then that 
causes the uh, so they just come together and then they clump together form rocks or form bigger masses and then they attract more and more mass and then you get a sort of maybe asteroids planets and stars yeah so, and, and so you don't think that can happen or I'm not understanding what, what you're getting at well I mean if, if you you know if you read that yeah you think yeah that, that's logical makes sense so that's how the stars and the planets were formed it, it, it is one uh, so we, we don't know exactly how every planet is formed um, but we have observed accretion disks from stars in various states. Um, we have uh, observed planets in different ways. In other cases, there you know there may be an asteroid or some passing body that comes through uh, that affects things and changes the way uh, which particles or which objects are going to come together and are they ever going to get enough mass? Um, but it, it it is a model um, that is supported by the observable evidence and explains why the planets, for example, in our solar system tend to, to be roughly in a plane. Um, and the objects that aren't within that plane, um, you know, are, are captured bodies. Uh, but by all means, continue. Yeah, well, that, that, that's just a model. I mean, that model is just based on observations, you see. Yeah, it's a is, model based on observations. What, what else would we do? Yeah, yeah so, you know, the way I see yeah, if if you are saying yeah, that this is the model where, you know, dust collapses here yeah, and forms, you know, can form a, a bigger, bigger mass, then you should be able to, like, you know, Take dust together, yeah, and see if it forms a, a bigger mass. And scientifically, uh, well, you do realize we don't we don't have the capability to do experience on experiments on solar systems in various states of formation. It's, it's not, no, it's but, not about solar systems. But but you're, you you pointed out that this was uh, this was a model based on observations. That's what science yeah. is. No, yeah, I understand. And that. so I'm, if I'm if the I'm science if the science that you're pointing to. Uh, has an explanation that is entirely naturalistic and consistent with all the available evidence. If we find out that we were wrong, of course, science will change because there'll be new observations and the model will change. But you're yeah, pointing you're pointing to a model and saying, "Oh, it's just a model based on observations." Um, I what I'm, what's confusing me is that you called in to point out that you think science there's scientific evidence for God, and your first example uh, has no God in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. Okay. So I'm saying that, you know, initially, I mean, what, what do you think yeah, would cause dust to collapse together and form, you know, a bigger, a, you know, a bigger mass? Gravity. So you think, yeah, that mass all... I think oh, gravity science, and inertia and motion and collisions, yeah. Yeah, current science say, okay, every mass has gravity. Would you, I mean, I, th- I think you take that as, uh, as fact, or do you think... That, that there's a connection between gravity and mass? Yes. Yes. So you think that is fact, or is it theoretical? The, well, so... It's measurable. The, is it measurable? So, the, the, when you say, do you think it's a fact, or it's theoretical, that seems to carry with it some baggage that I don't necessarily buy into. Models explain facts. The observations are the facts. And so we have these observations about our universe, um, about the laws of physics and about how these things interact, and we have observations from other, you know, similar solar systems and yeah. stuff. And we have models See, that we've done. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm trying to say, yeah, the models show things at the, at the higher level, you know, at the sort of the kind of macro level, at the big level. But when you look at the the models at the lower level, yeah, at, you know, at the level of dust and so a small mass, it just doesn't uh, just doesn't work out. Okay. There's been scientific. Where, where, where's been your scientific, science, Where's your scientific paper showing that it just doesn't work out? Because I've, I've read it online. 
there's been researchers here, yeah, you know, proper scientists okay. who, wrote paper, who wrote papers here. Yeah, so let's assume, let's assume, Sam, that they're correct, that all, all of the current models that describe the formation of solar systems from accretion disks of stars are, in fact, wrong. And the hand, yeah, uh, hang on, let me finish. And we'll assume that the people that you're pointing to who say that this just can't happen um, are correct. Let's just go ahead and make that assumption. We'll throw out the acceptance of the current models, and we'll go ahead and accept the uh, individuals who you've seen their papers online who say that this just can't happen. What what do we know? How does that get us any closer to confirming that a God exists? Wouldn't we then be in a position where, yep, we were wrong, we just don't know what the correct explanation is? Well, this is, for me, yeah, this is one of the evidences of God. Well, that's, I'm sorry, but that's boneheaded because you've gone from we have a scientific explanation to, hey, somebody else has pointed out that this scientific explanation can't be right, but nowhere does that get us to, therefore, there's a good reason to believe that a God is involved. You have to show that no naturalistic explanation can do this before you could even hope to get to the supernatural or, or, or... you have to demonstrate that the supernatural is real and exists and confirm that it is, in fact, responsible. So no, when I'm you say science confirms God, what you're really saying is you found some people who are sciency who object to science, and you find that to be consistent with God. But it's not evidence for no, God. No. no, no, what I'm saying is that the, that the, the evidence, the, the fact that, you know, Dust and you know small matter yeah cannot clump together yeah by gravity. You think that's a fact? I mean, it's a fact, yes. Okay, okay. So even even if like I said, we'll go ahead and assume that it's a fact that this can't happen the way we've described it. How do you get to God? So I'm saying this is one of the evidence of God, yeah, because basically this. That's not evidence for God. No, No, I'm saying is stars. Sam, let me ask you a question. What's that? If something has not been proven to be possible, does that mean it's impossible? No. Okay. If something, hang on, hang on, hang on. If something hasn't been proven to be impossible, does that mean it's possible? So what was that? If there's something that has not been proven to be impossible, does that mean that it's actually possible? I'm not sure what you. Which it's the exact point. same question as the first one, only I've flipped possible and impossible. Yeah, but wh- why? Why are you flipping around for? I mean, because it's because it's important to realize that these are the well, same. Well, I'm trying to say, yeah. Thing is, stars and planets, yeah, they don't form. I'm not asking know. about stars and planets. If, I'm say, I'm if something they don't form naturally, if I'm something say, hasn't, yeah, Sam, stop. I asked you if something hasn't been proven to be possible, does it make it does it mean that's impossible? And you said correctly, no. That's right, yeah. That's and, right. And and now I've asked, if something has not been proven to be impossible, does that mean it's possible? And it should be just as easy for, for you to correctly answer no. Yeah, but R- right? I don't see I don't see what's what's that got to do with it. Because I know you don't understand. That's my point. What I'm trying to say, yeah, it's not the way stars and the uh, planet exists here. Yeah, it's not natural. That's what I'm trying to say. How do you know? How did you know that? It, how do you know that it's not natural? You just you just agreed that because something hasn't pro- proven to be possible doesn't mean it's impossible. Well, no. Yeah, it's, but I'm saying well, what it's not natural using the current for 
using the chronology we have of science. Correct. 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 Hooray, Sam. Hooray. You've just now acknowledged that all you've demonstrated, assuming we agree with your science that you're pointing to, which I don't, but you've just acknowledged that all you've demonstrated is that it's not current, it's not possible given the current information. That's right, yeah. 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 So do you think we know everything? Uh, no, no, do, no. Do you think it's impossible for us to no, find we, a naturalistic we, explanation for that? Yeah. Well, this year, in this case, yeah, with the current science, yeah, we can't explain this. That's what all I'm trying to say. Yeah, in the future. Yeah, okay, so if we can't... Ex- if, if, Sam, yeah, Sam, Sam no, you can't finish. Sam, if you agree that we currently can't explain it scientifically, then please begin with the premise, science cannot currently explain this, and end up with science confirms God. No, I'd I say... That's impossible. Confirms God. I said this is one of the scientific evidences I believe is for God. Okay. Well, I don't. Because I don't buy into arguments from ignorance because they are fallacies. No, but how is this a fallacy? How is it a fallacy? For the same reason that you weren't able to easily identify that something merely not having been... Okay, go ahead. You're, you're trying to say, yeah, in, in the future, yeah, we can find out anything. No, I'm know. not. No, I'm not, Sam. I'm not saying in the future we can. I'm saying we are in a position where we don't know that we cannot. And you are in a position of saying, I don't think we can, and so I'm going to leap to God as an explanation. And that but is fallacious. This, but I'm saying this is one of the evidence that I believe. I don't, it's not one can. for it. If this is if this is one, and you lined up a million other ones of exactly this same uh, soundness, you would still have zero because you haven't got anything for this one. You can't just say you can't just say science doesn't have an explanation for it. Therefore, I'm going to put this in the evidence column for God. It doesn't work that way. Why not? Why doesn't it work that way? Because that's a fallacy. It is the argument no, from ignorance fallacy. No, it's not argument from ignorance. This is this is what we currently know. Yeah. No, Sam. Sam. If you don't stop. If you don't know how something works, then the answer is you don't know how it works. It's not. Uh, that's evidence that there's a god. No, I'm saying this is one of the evidence of god. Yeah. No, so it's not. It's not a one. It's a zero. How is it evidence for a god? Because that you can't explain a, something. Yeah, because at the moment yeah, the, the, we only know there's gravity and there's other ways of you know um, dust and matter getting together. And the current models, current scientific experiment shows yeah that things just don't form together. To, you know, come together to form form a bigger mass. So how that's you, what I'm saying. So how do you get to a god from that? Well, I said I said this is this to me yeah is like uh, something strange. You know, the current science to explain it. We only know. Yes, I would agree. If we if we threw out actual good science and accepted the bad science and got to the point where we didn't know, it would seem strange. I agree, it's strange. What? How do you get from? How do you get from strange to God did it? Well, this is what I'm I'm a follower of the Quran, and the Quran says that you know, it's God who brought the earth together. I don't care what the Quran says. Why should I believe what why should... Okay, Sam, why should I believe what the Quran says? You don't get to just use that as evidence. You have to actually substantiate it. I've got a book, too. It says the Quran's bullshit. That's fine. You you, you can accept it as whatever you want. But for me... Okay, um, but do we care about what's true, Sam? Because I do. Yes. Okay, so if we care about what's true, then you need to explain why we should care what the Quran says. Because this is one of the things it mentions, and it turns out to be true. Okay, me, so so because me, some book mentions something that happens to turn out to be consistent with reality, we're then justified in accepting what the book has to say about no. other things? 
No, but you no. Everything so if we take not, if we take all of the things that the Quran says that you think happen to match up with the scientific reality of the world, and we put them together in a box, and we take all of the rest of the Quran and put it together in the other box, what good is that other box? No, it, it, it's basically for for people who are looking for you know evidence, you know scientific evidence here. If things the Quran the is not here, for people who are looking for scientific evidence. It is. Well, no, I it's not. Well, no, but you're, you're saying, that's your opinion. But okay. Opinion, yeah. It is. It's not. It's not scientific evidence that no, the Quran says it, something. It, it, please not? point to. Please point to a scientific organization that uses the Quran as their foundation. You don't. You don't have to have the. You know, some organized scientific organization. You point to the Quran. No. What you have to have is evidence in an argument for why we should consider no, the Quran to be a science book. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's a Quran is a science book. I'm saying yes, you are. Quran, You're saying that when no. we don't know something. And the Quran no, no, claims, no no, 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 shut up and let me finish. You're saying that if we don't know something and the Quran says that God did it, we should use that as our science book when we don't have anything better. No, I'm saying, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying you should use that the best. The Quran makes a claim that, you know, God did X, Y, and Z. Okay. And then you test that, you test that claim. How do, you test, how do you test the claim to find out whether or not God did X, Y, or Z? Well, this is what I'm saying. This is one of the things that yeah, God says, yeah, that, you know, he created the, the planets and stars. Yeah. So... If stars and the planets here are formed, you know, naturally by gravity or with the, with the sort of, you know, natural means that we know of. That, uh, that we know of. You know, uh, once upon a time, we then, didn't know anything about lightning. Does that mean that Does that mean that Thor is throwing lightning bolts? How is that a test for God? But I'm saying this claim turns out to be true at, at this moment. This, this claim turns out to be true for this, for this time. No, it's either true or not true. You can't just say that we don't know enough right now, and so we no, can't prove I'm it saying, wrong, and therefore I'm going to yeah, believe I'm it. Say, I'm saying according to the current, current scientific evidence, it turns out to be true. No. what? Okay. You, the Quran says that God, God created the planets and the stars. Yeah. Okay. How do you test that? Well, we can't create it. Okay, so what? So what? Well, at least this shows, yeah. And this is so much strange. I can't. On. I can't build a car, but that doesn't mean that the person you claim built the car built the car. I can't grow a tree, but that doesn't mean that there's yeah, a that, supernatural being that, that created yeah, the tree. You're going on a, on a different kind of. Uh, yes, I'm using you're... science and logic and reason, and you're so appealing to a book. Is, for me, yeah, this is one. Re this is one um, kind of pointed to, uh, to to God. Because, you know, this is so much strange for me. It's not uh, pointing to anything. If the answer is, well, I don't know, that is no, by no, definition pointing to nothing. No, it, for you it's not, yeah? For, for anybody who understands logical argument and reasoning, if the I answer is, I don't know, that is not pointing to something. That is an absence of pointing to anything. Okay, okay. Let's, for me, yeah, the crime makes a claim, yeah, that, you know, God creates the planets and the stars. Yeah. And for me, yeah, the current science, yeah, is... Shows, yeah, you know, there's uh, so much strange going on with, uh, you know, mass not coming together naturally uh, with, with gravity. Yeah, so you're basically claiming your own personal truth, and I'm not interested in yeah. your personal yeah. truth. I'm interested in the actual truth, and, then, and I'm wondering so, why you're not. Yeah, but um, I've explained it for me. Yeah, this is one of the claims the crime makes. And um, if you say, so far, if yeah. you say for me one more claim. time, I'm going to hang up, Sam. I promise you. If you say for me one more time, I'm going to hang up because I just explained. You can say, sit here and say all day, for me, that's true. For me, this is real. For me, that's true. And anybody can say that about anything. I want sound logical arguments and supporting evidence. That's it. That's all I care about. I don't care okay, about okay, your okay, book I'll, until you give me a reason to care about your book. And I don't care about your opinion about your book unless you okay, give me a reason to. 
do you believe in evolution? I mean, not evolution. Do you believe in common ancestry? Yes. So you believe, yeah, that uh, you know, over millions of years, yeah, uh, living organism, yeah, you know, the sort of evolved through reproduction, yeah, to form different kinds of varieties of living organisms around yeah, the world. Yes. 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 Now, what's your scientific evidence for that? Ah, well, the scientific evidence for that is the fossil record, the DNA record. Um, well, we can keep okay, the so bulk of it's off of DNA, that. but for example, we let's can demonstrate that we have a common ancestry with the other great apes by looking at chromosome two's fusion. Okay, let's. You got, you got, you got two evidence yet. Fossil evidence. Well, that's not two. That's not two evidences. Do you not understand? Have you never been to a, to a natural history museum anywhere that has all of the species, with, or not all the species, but all of these varied species in different forms? We have fossil record in different places around the world, and the model is so profound that it was able to make predictions about what we would find and where by saying that if our model and understanding of evolution is correct, we should be able to go to this region in this layer of rock and find Tiktaalik, is what we ended up naming it, which is a immediate species between two other things, between sea-based fish and fish with legs that walked on land, and we went out and we dug in that place, in that rock there, and we found it. That is a, that is a profound strength of the model of the theory of evolution by natural selection. This is not okay. two evidences. Let's look, at, let's look at the fossil evidence. I mean, how, how does uh, how does uh, Animals. I mean, what what is common common ancestry? Is where you know you got a lineage of animals, yeah. Yes. Who can reproduce? Who can reproduce with with each other? Is that correct? From generation to generation. Yes, speciation. So, it, it, speciation is generally right, defined okay. as the point at which they can no longer reproduce. Okay, so tell me, how how does the fossil fossil record yeah show that these animals can reproduce with with each other? The fossil record doesn't show which ones of them can necessarily reproduce until but you get into how, how, until you get into the DNA of it. Okay, so how did okay okay DNA evidence? How did DNA prove that one species yeah, can reproduce with another species? I, I'm not here to explain DNA and reproduction no. to you. Uh, you should sorry, actually sorry, go take I'm an not... actual science course, and then when I you're done taking it, then when you're done taking it, you can go find the scientists writing fringe papers that you claim refutes it and use it as evidence for God again, as long as you are going to continue engaging in the fallacy parade. I've looked at the DNA evidence yet. Have you? What expertise do you, what expertise do you have in the field of DNA and reproduction? Well, I've looked at research. What expertise do you have? Well, why, why do I expertise? don't care what Joe Shit the Ragman or the nut at why? the end of the block has said. And I've looked at the evidence. I've looked at the evidence. Do you have some relevant expertise here? Why do I need relevant expertise? Well, if you're going to say that the experts are actually incorrect in their conclusions, it would be helpful if you had no, some no. expertise that you could demonstrate. No expert has ever come out and said that you can use DNA evidence to say that this species here is uh, can reproduce with other species. No, no uh, scientific uh, whatever professor or whatever researcher has ever has ever claimed that yeah, and it's not possible. I've looked at. I've really? I've looked so, so if so, if a scientist looked, for example, at my DNA and my wife's DNA, they can't determine whether or not we can reproduce. Or whether or not we're likely to be capable That's of reproducing? Right. They can't, they can't. You're absolutely wrong. As a matter of fact, scientists have looked at that and determined that for certain specific reasons, my wife and I aren't actually capable of reproducing because we know about this stuff. No, you see, it comes down to, uh, you know, the, 
people try to use DNA here yeah, to work out their lineage. And they found out, yeah, you know, beyond your parents, yeah, you know, when you, when you get to sort of maybe grandparents level and above, you really can't use DNA yet to work out, yeah, what your lineage is. You're, you're yeah, absolutely wrong. And I would no, recommend no, paying, pay the $200, pay the $200, go to 23andMe and have your genetic profile be done. And you'll be amazed to discover what science can actually tell you about this. Now, there's plenty of things that the science can't tell you because we don't know anything. But, but, Sam... Even if you're right, you have done nothing to demonstrate anything at all remotely relevant to the question of whether a God exists, because there are millions and millions of people who accept the facts about scientific evolution who also think there's a God. And even if, Sam, even if all of evolution turned out to be wrong right now, you still don't have any evidence for a God. Well, this, uh, the evidence is that, you know, things... You know, well, one of the evidence is that you know, life just doesn't come come about where naturally. How do you know? Because people. How do you know? How do you know? Tried create, scientists have tried creating life. So that that's irrelevant. The fact that somebody hasn't why, actually why, been why, it, Sam. Why is that relevant? You, because you just said this does not happen, and your evidence was for for it was that it has not happened yet. You see, what that isn't here, evidence that it doesn't happen. No, no. What you're saying here, if someone, someone, if someone exists naturally, yeah, you know. For example, uh, you know, let, let's say you you got uh, water. Yeah, if you combine water, uh, hydrogen with with oxygen, you get water. Is that right? Not on its own. No, there, there's a process from which you get water from hydrogen and oxygen. It's not like you just take a hydrogen atom and, and two oxygen atoms or two hydrogen atoms and oxygen atom and you, try and stick them together. Create, can you create water in the lab? Yes. Okay, but can, why can't you? Uh, if, if that's well, why say, yeah, you know, humans could do that, yeah, but why can't do the same with life? If why can't humans fly? Why? Because we haven't been designed to fly. Okay, but are you saying it's impossible for us to ever fly just because we haven't flown before? Naturally, you know, to fly naturally, as in having, uh, you know, living organisms that you know, wings or something, yeah, that's impossible for us. Well, it's impossible for our descendants to eventually have wings and fly? How did you determine that? We, we can't determine that. We can't. Okay, thank you. So if you can't determine it, then how could you say it's impossible? No, but I'm saying with the current science, yeah, I don't. No, 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 no. It's just you're saying that because it hasn't happened, it can't happen. No, That's what I'm you just said. Scientists haven't been able to do this, therefore it can't be done. That was your argument. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's like, well, you know, scientists could, you know, one day, I don't know, uh, create, I don't know, a massive, you know, animal that could, I don't know, devour the earth. You know, you, you could make anything you want, anything you want off. You know, I'm not making anything up. I'm pointing out your fallacy. Your fallacy is like me sitting here with a die and rolling it, and you saying that because I haven't rolled an eight yet, it's impossible for me to roll an eight. And you haven't demonstrated that. You're just pointing out that it hasn't happened yet. And in this case, it's even worse. In this case, it's even worse, Sam, because you're saying scientists haven't been able to do X in the lab. Therefore, not only will scientists not be able to do X in the lab, but it's also the case that it's impossible for X to have occurred naturally. And the evidence is completely in opposition to that. All of the evidence points to the conclusion that it did, in fact, happen. No, I think... I think you all make the mistake you know, of saying, okay, predict the future. You're trying to say, yeah, predict the future, yeah, and say, you know, this, try and say, you know, say this is not possible, that's not possible. No, You're no, the one saying what's possible and not possible. But based on what? Based on the current science? I, uh, okay, Sam, we're done. You don't understand logical fallacies. You don't understand no, logical sorry, reasoning. You don't I, understand science. And now you are, now I have people in the audience who are begging me just to hang up on you because it's a complete waste of time. We've been over this. 
And when I put it in simplest terms of, hey, just because something hasn't been proven possible doesn't mean it's impossible, you're okay with saying no. And then when I show that this is the exact fallacy, the claim that you're making, then you want to do a tap dance and start talking about how scientists haven't created it in a laboratory or how I'm the one that's talking about what's possible or impossible when you're the one doing that. So you've got exactly 30 seconds to give a sound, valid argument for the existence of God or we're done. No, well, I'm saying it's just, it's just I find it's disappointing. Yeah, you have an attitude of just you just want to point blank just uh, refuse to actually want to believe. All no. you want to do is point point out. Yeah, no, I, I point blank won't believe until there's a good reason for it. Yeah, there has to be there has to be a reason to believe, not just this is this could be the explanation, which is the. Which is the problem with your methodology? You say well, you, if, you think if you can poke holes in in somebody's theory, then that somehow goes towards proving that God did it, and that's yeah, the fundamental he, flaw in what your the argument problem is. is. Like I said, in it, it's uh, I don't know, it's uh, it's uh, that's what I thought. We'll see you later. Thanks, Sam. All right. Uh, we've got uh, Dustin. Thanks for waiting in South Carolina. Yes. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. I, I can't understand you. What's that? Can you hear me now? Yes, yeah, that's better. Wonderful. Sorry, I was on speaker. Is this uh, Matt and John? Is that right? Yes. Wonderful. You guys were uh, the hosts that were on when I first called in several months ago when I first announced my atheism, so nice to talk to you guys again. Hey, welcome back. Um, hey, thanks. Um, I was hoping to get some advice on how to respond to a common Christian claim that I've encountered many times, and it, it seems absurd to me, but I never quite know how to address it. The claim is this, I'm sure you've heard it many times, and that is, um, human reason is flawed, it's not always perfect, therefore... We can't know anything with absolute certainty without the possibility of being wrong. I agree. Therefore, we therefore we can't know anything. No, I disagree. And all opinions are valid. That that's where that's where they jump to. Sure. And well, it it's really it's so really easy. It's really easy, Dustin. Yeah. The knowledge. Sure. Th there's no useful, accepted, common definition of knowledge that requires absolute certainty at all. I don't think you can get to absolute certainty about anything. I don't see any path to absolute certainty. I also don't see that it's relevant because. When we talk about what we know, we're not talking about what we're absolutely certain about. Yeah. And, and generally speaking, I don't care if somebody claims to know it, because when they say, I know this, what they're really saying yeah. is that I believe it really, 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 really strongly. So yep. the, the issue isn't, can we get to absolute certainty or not? Because I'm willing to concede right off the bat, we can't, as far as I can tell. The issue yeah. is... Do we have good reasons to believe certain things? Do we have sufficient justification to warrant accepting that the proposition is likely true, very likely true, etc.? That's all that matters. Yeah. And plus, if this is coming from theists who are claiming that they have this invaluable source, that there's a God who can't be wrong, and they try to yeah. use this as how they can know something when we can't, then the best example I can come up with is if you have a dirty filter and you pour clean water through it, that water doesn't get cleaner and it doesn't come out as clean as it went in. 
And so even if there was a God who knew everything was perfect and was absolutely certain couldn't be wrong, if he's dumping that knowledge into the flawed human vessels that cannot reach absolute certainty, then by definition, they still can't be certain. They can't be, you know, sure. their God doesn't make this possible. And so recognizing yeah. that we're not going to get it absolutely perfect, absolutely right, is completely irrelevant to the question of whether or not we have good reasons to believe something or not. Mm-hmm. Do you... Um do you espouse the definition of knowledge as just but true belief? I'm not a fan of it. I understand that that's probably the most common one, and it may be one of the best. Um, yeah, I, it I, seems so circular. Well, yeah, there is a problem because you've got to define justified and what counts as justified, and this is where you get into people yeah. saying, well, I think it's justified, like our last caller. Yeah. Then you also have the problem of true, where yeah. there's an assumption that you've confirmed that it is in fact true, which... Yep. Is, is, so there, and if you do a study on uh, JTB, Justified True Belief, as knowledge, you'll find that all these objections are really common in the, in the philosophy community. And that's why, first of all, I don't care what somebody claims to know. I care about what they believe and why, what those justifications are. But yeah. if I use my own definition of knowledge, uh, a belief is something, a proposition that we accept. And you can believe for good or bad reasons. And you can be wrong about yeah. your beliefs. And knowledge is us expressing a confidence in those beliefs. And generally speaking, I would say that when I say I know something, I mean that I believe something, and it would be worldview-altering to discover that I'm wrong. I'm not claiming I can't be wrong. I'm not claiming I'm absolutely certain. I'm just saying, if I, if I say I know this, I'm saying this is so well-founded and so central to how I view the entire universe that it would be... You know, worldview altering to find out that it's not the case. So it almost sounds like you're saying we're not doing ourselves any favors by using by even using the word knowledge in these types of conversations. Yeah, and to even say I know something is kind of pointless. It it can be, but I don't think it's pointless to express a, a level of confidence. Uh, what okay, what gets yeah. what is pointless is saying I don't just believe it; I know it, because uh, sure. that gets us nowhere. That doesn't make it any more true. <laughs> Just because you claim yeah. to know something. Or less true for that so matter. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, so, so not to switch topics completely, but so the precept who says, you know, if you could be wrong about anything you claim to know, then you don't know anything. Does that change anything? Like, if, if you're already saying that so they're right. you know something is, irre- is irrelevant, then... They're right under ahead. their definition of knowledge, but I don't give a damn about their definition of knowledge, and I went through this when I debated Psy. If he wants, you know, if, if they want to say, well, if you acknowledge you can't be absolutely certain, then you, then you can't know anything. Well, I can't know anything under your definition, but I can under mine, because under mine, the only thing required is that I have... Uh, justifiable confidence in this belief. So we're just talking about something you believe incredibly strongly and hopefully for very, very good reasons. But even at the end of the day, I can say, okay, um, let's just go ahead and say you're right, that I don't know anything. Now, do I have justifiable beliefs? Sure. And and what they'll get back to is they'll say no. They will yeah, say no, sure. that none of my beliefs can be justified. And now we get to set aside the whole conversation about knowledge and talk about how we go about determining whether or not something is reasonable. And the only option that they have, and this is what Sai tried to do, is to say your belief pre- presupposes truth and truth presupposes God. And the only response yeah. that needs to be made to that is that's what you say, but I don't accept that. 
please justify of it. Yeah, please justify yeah. that there must be a God in order for there to be any truth or for there to be any rational beliefs. Well, they can't know anything by their definition of knowledge either. I mean, it's yes. Yeah, they just convince they themselves they that they can. They, they sure. convince themselves. Uh, well, I know. Yeah, I know they're convinced. I just went through this in a in a video um, that I released for March um, about. I think this one was about uh, borrowing from their worldview. Was was what the video was about. Uh, because the precepts and the other people who talk about this will constantly make accusations that we have to borrow from their worldview in order to for ours to make any sense. Uh, so if you head over to my YouTube channel, it's well, you can go to patreon.com slash atheistdebates. All the content's available there for free. Um, it's also on my YouTube at youtube.com slash sans.deity. Um, and the, the latest video on borrowing from their worldview covers all that. Okay. Cool. cool. Do you one last quick question, if you don't mind? Hmm? Do you think, in a way, that they might be right, the precepts, when they say that knowledge presupposes truth? I mean, we are when we when we're searching for truth, we are kind of assuming that there is, you know, there are things that are true and things that are false. Is is that a valid? Is that is that a presupposition? Yes. So I can't I, I can't demonstrate the truth behind the things that we call the logical absolutes. That's a presupposition. Um, I can't. I don't currently have a solution to the problem of hard solipsism. This idea of whether or not I am the only mind and yep. you guys are all just a fiction. Um, I think I have some pretty good arguments against it. Like for example, I, I, it would be not. I'm either incredibly unhealthy or I'm actually sharing space with other minds because there's no way I would make a call like the last call. Um, to me, if it was, if it, this was all a product of my own mind. Uh, also, right. I learn things, and I learn things from what appears to be other people who know things I don't. And so, in order for it to be the case that I am, in fact, the only mind, then I must have all this knowledge, and I'm suppressing it from myself so that I can invent a fictional character to teach it to myself, or I don't have the knowledge, and I just make it up on the spot. But that would mean that I'm simultaneously writing every book and every story and every song that has ever been written. And to me, it just seems incredibly unlikely that that would be the case. Uh, so yeah. while I can't prove I'm not the only mind, I think it's uh, far less arrogant and far more reasonable to live as though I'm interacting with other real people, uh, in part because until somebody demonstrates I'm not, that's the smart move. Yeah. Is there any common ground that can be that can be uh, arrived at with the presuppositionalist. I, I feel like if, if you're going to have a productive conversation with somebody who makes those claims, you've got to have a starting point with them. It can be can one be found? Well, I I tried. Sai uh, and I both agree. Sai and I both agree on identity, non-contradiction, excluded middle. Um, my position though is that those can't be justified. They're just a presupposition. And his claim is that he can justify them by pointing to God. So yeah. the point at which we start agreeing is on identity, non-contradiction, excluded middle, these foundations of logic. We are in agreement that they are true and inviable. But yeah. he just thinks that he has a justification, and the other presuppositionalists do as well. He says they can only come from God, much in the same way our previous caller said that you know uh, particles form together and that can only be from God since the, the other explanation wasn't true. It's just it's presupposing that God is required and then using that 
to prove that God exists. It's a circular argument, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, where they lo- that's where they lose me is... is uh, well, they presuppose God. Presuppose God and then use that to demonstrate the existence of God. Yeah, that God exists. Yeah, yeah. And, and so if the beginning for them, if you're talking to somebody who's, who's unwilling to have an honest discussion about this, like Psy isn't, uh, if, they, if they actually have this presupposition of God is a necessary uh, figure, then no, there's not any common ground, unless you're willing to accept that God is a necessary figure, and I'm not, because uh, I think that's something that needs to be demonstrated. Right. Well, me either. <laughs> All right, okay, thanks, Dustin. I, I know we're out of time. Can you tell me one more time where I can find that video you mentioned? Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com yep. slash Atheist Debates with an S at the end. That's my Patreon channel with, I don't know, a bunch of videos up there. And one of the last three that was posted, which should be available to everybody in the public now, is called Borrowing from the Christian Worldview, I think. Okay, wonderful. Thanks, guys, for your time. Thanks. Thanks, Dustin. Although I probably did most of the video while we were (laughs) sitting here talking, covering the same ground. Um but yeah, and as a reminder, since I keep forgetting to do it after the show's over, some of the folks involved get together to go to Threadgills. I'm sure they'll put the address right up on the button screen, probably while I'm waving my finger, unless the crew has fallen asleep in the background. It actually is on a loop, so it, it, oh, it'll, that's it'll right. come around. So you'll see it. Maybe I should say it when, when it's up there next time. There it is. <laughs> no? Oh yeah, there's there's my thing. Oh no, that's not right. It's not patreon.com slash atheist. Atheist debates. Atheist yeah. debates. All one anyway, uh, enough sh- Jim was calling about. Oh, similar topic. Are you there, Jim? I'm going to let Jim go because I think he's in the bathroom. And he wanted to call in and talk about presuppositionalists and the foundations of knowledge. So uh, we'll just have him see prayer call. Yes. <laughs> watch the show once it's posted. Uh, Daniel, how you doing? In Pennsylvania. Hey, Matt. Hey, John. Hey, Daniel. Oh, first things first, how's the spoon doing? It's still a spoon. All these years later, it is still a spoon. Good. I'm glad to hear that you didn't throw it out, because what if it becomes a fork? I'd have a hard time finding it. <laughs> okay. Because um, I would be expecting it to still be a spoon. what you would recommend somebody, such as maybe websites or keywords of researching the historicity of the Bible and when it came about and uh, so on and so forth. So, yeah, there's a number of good books. I'd actually recommend, just to make it easy, start at Wikipedia, uh, do a search for the canonization of the Bible, uh, do a search for uh, scriptural uh, uh, authorship or authority. There, The nice thing about Wikipedia is that while it can be wrong, because anybody can go in there and edit it, there are also links to other resources down there. There's some good uh, books from people like... Uh, uh, Finkelstein and those who have done back and looked at archaeological research related to the Bible. But there's also books on the history of the canonization. Bart Ehrman has a book uh, that's one of my favorites, and it's called Lost Christianities, plural, uh, and talks about the things that didn't make it into the Bible. There was also a website, um, earlychristianwritings.com, which is a pretty good list of the New Testament stuff and its dating and authorship and what scraps we have. Uh, but there's a lot. There, a quick search for you know history of the canon, history of the biblical canon, will get you information on you know basically how the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, was uh, put together when it kind of became the de facto uh, 
uh, canon, and then how the New Testament was formed as well. Um, and when that list came around, after Athanasius basically included it in his Easter cyclical and or encyclical, and and then everybody just kind of said, "Yep, that's the list we're using." Uh, but there's some cool fights about what didn't make it in there. Uh, the the Apocalypse of Peter, the Shepherd of Hermas, uh, a number of other books that were generally considered to be inspired at the time, but didn't make it in during all the debating. Dragon slaying. Uh, dragon slaying. I don't know. Where uh, he makes a poisonous ball and he throws it in the dragon's mouth. I, I'm that one's not right clicking with me, but okay. Well, disregard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I was wondering what your view on determinism is. Uh, well, you want this one because uh, it, it. So no. that's too big of a topic. Um, okay. I, I I'm. I probably am a soft determinist. Um, I'm just not sure. I, I think the evidence points to the, to the fact that we're in a universe that isn't isn't consistent with hard determinism. Uh, but I don't know that we have enough information. People start talking about things like you know quantum indeterminacy and stuff, and I don't know how that works in. Um, what was it, that? What was what? Quantum what? Indeterminacy. Indeterminacy. There's a number of things that people will, will raise to talk about how the universe is not hard deterministic but soft deterministic, and that distinction alone is enough for ten shows. Um, at the end of the day, though, I am not really bothered about which of the two we're in because no matter what, I'm in the position that I'm in and have to deal with the world that I'm in. So this gets into yeah. conversations about free will, and you'll have people say, well, free will yeah. is just an illusion. And I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm generally I, I I tend to side with Dan Dennett as a compatibilist, saying that there's not a contradiction between the idea of free will as we actually use the term and yeah. determinacy. Um, so Let's say you have free will the same way that America's a free nation. It's not anarchy and absolute freedom, but same. Uh, I can't say you're wrong, but I would have to think about that analogy quite a bit more before yeah. I sign right. down for it. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Well, hold on. Oh. Dad, one more thing. All right, go ahead. You're, you're still there. All right. Um, what would you say is the, in a, simp- a simple, exact contradiction that's not up for determined uh, interpretation or being poetic that's in the Bible? <sighs> a simple, simple contradiction like, that's not up for debate or interpretation. Um I don't think that there is such a thing because there's always the possibility, as long as people can interpret it so that even when it clearly says one thing, they can interpret it so it says something else, I don't know that you could point to anything that's not going to end up being prone to interpretation. Because um, people will say that you know Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 uh, give contradictory accounts. Uh, well, well I could that, that depends. The one about in the Gospels where... It said to leave your sandals and your cloak, take your rod. And the next gospel says, leave your rod, take your sandals and your cloak. Yeah, and see, these things, you know, you, you, you'll get people pointing out, well, th- these are irrelevant scribal mis- mistakes that don't have anything to do with the with salvation. It's not a tenet of the religion for you to believe which one's uh, this. The, the, God, the, the Easter narrative about who got to the tomb 
when, what did they see, what was there, what wasn't there. This has long yeah. been completely uh, irreconcilable. You know, people have tried to come up with uh, a, a simple description of the, go- the, the Eastern narrative that coincides with all four Gospels, and it simply cannot be done. But if you allow for interpretation or shrugging off things that aren't particularly relevant, then people do it all the time. Uh, Where where do you stop? I think there's a passage that may be in Corinthians, um, but I'd have to to look it up, uh, where it seems to say, in fairly short order, two extremely contradictory things, like, um, you know, whether or not... uh, Miracles are given uh, for evidence, and and the the wording is this. Well, they can say, yeah, but that's an error because of the King James translation, and uh, this is an idiom that is you know Aramaic and lost to us. Uh, so my big thing is you'll see these like those you'll see charts on the internet that show all the contradictions. Um, a lot of them are garbage. A lot of them are you know we're just going to yeah. try and nitpick and stretch and do whatever. Here's the thing. Let's imagine that the Bible has no contradictions at all. Right, I get you. So what? Right. And I was having a discussion with uh, my brother, and um, basically when you were talking about the core tenets, he had brought it up because he mentioned that, well, within conversation I mentioned that, oh, he mentioned that a lot uh, the Quran is stating like they're technically the same god but they're different in attributes so they're not the same god and i was asking them about when it says to believe if you believe in god you go to heaven or the biblical narrative of god but which god which like if you have one thing that's incorrect are you believing in the right one yeah i don't i don't have an answer because there's as many god concepts as there are believers pretty much so what, what a lot of religions have done to get around this is talking about there are a handful of minimal things that are required. These are the tenets of the faith. These are the these things are required for salvation, and everybody within the religion can have different opinions on the other things. Um, you know what what's the correct list of twelve names for Jesus' disciples? Well, they're pretty consistent across the board. Uh, there's a little confusion over the Judases after the first Judas kills himself. Well, I don't know why they. What could you still? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut in. I don't know why they'd go with another Judas, but uh, at the end of the day, the names of those people don't matter. They're not; they're, they have no impact on whether or not the story is essentially true, and whether or not uh, you're going to be saved. Because there's no claim in the Bible that you know, in order to be saved, you have to know all the names of the books of the Bible. You don't have to know the names of the the apostles or anything like that. Well, I'd say there's still an issue there because if it's just the core tenets, you can take those core tenets and just write another book where all the smaller details around it is different, would that still get you into heaven? You see what I'm saying? I don't think anything's going to get you into heaven. Would it be a different God if the smaller details are different? I I think it has been, I think even without changing any details, it's a different God today than it was 100 years ago or 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. It's not just the details in the holy book that determine this, it's the details in the communities and the societies and the the religious sects all around it. So Christianity isn't what it was. Uh, It's been dragged kicking and screaming from the dark ages, and that's why you can have 
So you could technically say they that. don't I, yeah. believe in the... Uh, well, that's why you can have Catholics, for example, who accept the authority of the Catholic Church and will say that they accept the Catholic Church's moral position on uh, abortion and birth control, and yet the overwhelming, like, 90-some-odd percent of Catholic women use birth control, and a good chunk of Catholics are uh, supportive of pro-choice legislation. So they accept the church's teaching on, on abortion as immoral, but they are not willing to make it illegal uh, in the United States. Uh, this is partly from Chris Matthews and his discussion with Donald Trump this week um, is how this yeah. popped into my head. And so you have what the book says, then you have what the book means, we don't know if we can ever actually get to that. Then you have how the book has been interpreted by different sects. And then you have the influence of the non-adherent culture all around that, such that we, don't, we no longer keep slaves, we don't burn witches, we don't stone homosexuals, uh, we're not particularly nice to them in countries that are overrun with uh, bigoted Christians, but... Uh, we are sometimes nice to them, and that's why you can have somebody like the Reverend Barry Lynn, who's supportive of church-state separation, and the Phelpses, who, well, are not. Actually, they might be. Of all the hideous things that they support and advocate, they might actually be okay with church-state separation because they like the Constitution. Yeah. Well, I've watched everything online. I've watched every one of your sit-downs, everything to back when you had hair. Um, are you ever planning on doing any um, videos on determinism, free will, or absolute certainty? You did a free will one, didn't you? Um, I've done some on those subjects. I don't know if I'll do them with the Atheist Debates Project, but that's something completely separate from the Atheist Experience Show, so just uh, email oh. about that, and we'll see All if right. I get to it. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. That's a good time to uh, bring up one additional point. Uh, last week I talked about how not all the hosts and co-hosts agree on every little thing. We, it's just not going to happen. So don't saddle John with what I've said and vice versa. Um, but also, while I am uh, the main host of the show, uh, I also do a lot of other things. So the Atheist Debates Project, the talks and lectures, the magic stuff, all that's completely separate from this. Uh, I'm not president of the ACA. I'm not on the board. I don't make decisions about those things. So I'm, I'm doing what I can to keep all of my lives, uh, all of my uh, fun in my life that it happens to intersect uh, separate. So don't blame the atheist experience if I say something stupid and, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Not that that would ever happen. <laughs> All right, who we got next? We have Diablo. Hi. I'm not, I'm not accepting that that's your actual name. Actually, I get mail by that name. You get mail by that name? I do. All right. Is it the one that's on your driver's license? No, I have a different name. Right. So, yeah. That, that would, see, that's, uh, that's the kind of argument. That's, that, that gets into, the, like, the, uh, the propaganda-style arguments where you're kind of sketchy about something and then somebody offers a piece of information that, that would seem to support the idea that you're wrong and thinking about what questions to ask next to find out whether or not you're being deceived. Anyway, thanks for calling. I, I do go by the name, though. I'm not trying to deceive you. Oh, no, no, um, no. It's fine. It's a bit of fun. Uh, my, my question really has to do, uh, it, it's kind of a deeper question, but the surface of it is the idea that uh, people within religion, and I'll, and I'll point to Christianity because I think that's where it happens most, at least within the U.S., 
um, they use this idea that nothing good can come from outside of their religion. So it's almost like, you know, if you're a non-theist and you're serving, that's just something that can't exist. So you, you kind of, you see that, it's almost like they try to suppress it. You see parades where non-theists try to assert themselves and say, hey, I'm here. Uh, you have the whole you know, atheists in foxholes. You have um, you have all of these efforts that basically, like when you get out of the military, like the VFW, they try to indoctrinate the entire process with a religious ceremony. Um, I've seen mines where people are pointing, see, look, they're all praying, you know, in this formation. Um, it's, it's almost like they're, they're trying to pretend like we don't exist. And, and I, mean, I don't want to say... I, I don't know that that's... I, I don't know that they're pretending that we don't exist. I think most of them... So we know the atheist and foxhole thing is not only false, uh, and actually we had a military member in uniform sitting in the audience up until a couple minutes ago where they probably had to run off to stand watch uh, and serve the country. But not only do we know that it's false, um, I think this is just something people intuit, that in their lives, when there's nothing else that they can do and they feel helpless, they reach out to a god. And they just can't believe that other people don't do the same thing. And they're correct. There are people who are non-religious who, when, you know, the chips are down, I'm sure there are many of them. And we talked to somebody on the, on the phone last week that talked about how they still have that impulse to want to reach out. But there are others who don't. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, personally, if I was in a foxhole, I would not want anybody praying. I would want them focused out and watching our asses so that we're, we can actually respond to the threat reasonably. Uh, cowering sure. down there praying, I don't think, is something that I would consider a virtue. But I was at a, a veterans uh, event this past weekend, and before the meal they had a prayer. And the one thing they did do was, you know, ask people to either, you know, bow your heads or look up or whatever your religion requires of you. Now, they still did a prayer to Jesus, and they still had the assumption that everybody there was part of some religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and many of them are surprised when there's a godless heathen who's there, you know, working his butt off to volunteer for different things for these veterans. Um, I, I, I understand the, the frustration with it. I'm far more worried about the evangelical encroachment into the military uh, things like we've seen at the uh, Air Force Academy and other places where they're pushing forward forward a, a specifically evangelical Christian agenda and where people who don't fit into that mold are not getting promoted or they are the ones who are a lot more likely to get into trouble or get extra duty or you know the, the theists who buy into that and go to Bible study are the ones that get favoritism, etc. That's the type of thing that I'm more interested in, in eliminating first, and then moving forward to, you know, hey, if we're going to have some kind of prayer at the event, it would be nice if, uh, at a minimum, we didn't try to pretend that everybody believed. I kind of I kind of saw it as uh, a symptom of the same thing, though. You know, you're talking about the uh, people trying to make everybody Christian in the military. Um, you know, like in my personal life, um, I know I have people who are Christian who think I'm a good person, and to them, it's almost like mind-boggling. They've got to try to bring me in the fold so that they can claim it for the glory of God or something. Um, they just can't wrap their heads around the idea that someone can be selfless and good and volunteer and do things and be a nice person, mm-hmm. 
without God. That just doesn't work in their minds. It's like if it's not godly, it's not good. And how can you point to someone you know is good and does things like serve? Um, it, it's almost a contradiction in their face. Well, there is the passage in Psalms. Psalms 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They can do no good thing. And so at least the people who don't think we can be good at all are literally being biblical. I I think almost all of them understand that we can be and are good people without God. But there is a conflict there. Um, and it's a conflict against their assumptions. I think once they... Uh, become aware of it, you know, oh, oh, you're an atheist. Uh, we have heard, but you're such a good person. And so we know that bigotry exists, but it doesn't exist everywhere because uh, I'm happy to work with, you know, I've worked with ministers on church-state separation. Um, I've had a number of debates on morality where they're happy to point out that they're sure, they're confident that I'm a really good person. Uh, of course, you know, my family knows me, knows that I'm a good person. They just think I'm working for Satan and leading everybody to hell. And somehow this is consistent with also being a good person. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that's one of the biggest insults to me personally whenever I hear people say that, you know, morality cannot exist without God. Um, you know, and I'm not even sitting here trying to argue the existence of God, but whatever morality I have doesn't come from there. It tells you far more about it tells you far more about them than it does about atheists, uh, because it tells you they're the kind of person who just can't conceive of being decent if there wasn't some, you know, carrot and stick or Godfather mafia boss figure standing over them expecting them to do it. That they, they for whatever reason, something has gone wrong, and they can't see the a good reason to do good for the sake of doing good, uh, and it, it's not even an altruistic thing. It, it is a simple recognition that I live in this world, and if I'm willing to do good things and encourage other people to do good things, I actually benefit from that too. You know, I, I managed to make it through, uh, you know, my time in the military without any severe trauma or damage, and then I don't have to rely on a veterans organization. Um, but I like doing things that support those organizations because I could have, and other people I know and care about can and have. Um, and my life's not over yet, and I might have to depend on somebody else later. I don't have to be, right. oh, I just want to do good for doing good sake. There are people out there that are like that. But for the people who uh, may even have some hidden selfish motivation, it's about making the safe bet. It's completely reasonable. It is consistent with us being human beings who care about others and would like to be cared for and recognizing that we don't live in a vacuum. I None of this is that hard, and I think when you actually sit down and talk to the people who are shocked that there are atheists who are good and have a conversation about that, uh, I think you're going to end up with a lot more atheists. Uh, because Well, I know, like, my own personal view as far as, uh, like, the value of life really boils down to the good in the world you make around you according to your own values. What's important to you? What matters to you? Um, what kind of difference can I make in the world around me? When you look back on your life and you say, what difference did I make? And you can point to these things, it, it, it gives you a fulfilled life. It makes you feel like you've done something that made a difference and that mattered. There, there's a sense of obligation, too. There was a lot of people who did a lot of good things to make the world what it is now that I'm benefiting from. Um, there, there's a sense of obligation to kind of, I don't know, pay it forward. I didn't see the movie I suppose it's a good movie. I don't know, but the concept is pretty good. 
Well, I, I guess I had just two other quick things. Uh, one was uh, from last week. I called in and I listened to the whole conversation. wasn't able to get through. Um, your co-host in that episode, I was going to ask her if she ever heard of the seven words you can't say on television. She was sitting here talking about saying, the Carlin just thing? Darn. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I'm pretty sure oh, Tracy's familiar with it. About saying <laughs> Tracy. darn. Like, has he ever heard of that? I was kind of snickering. Yeah, no, then, I'm pretty uh, sure we're all familiar with Carlin's words. The cool <laughs> thing is, is because we're not uh, not on, like, broadcast TV, I can actually say all say of it. them right now. I, I'm not going, going to. Because <laughs> uh, if there was some some really good reason, like if I had some Christian on who was, or somebody on who was trying to make a big stink over uh, of of style over substance, then I'd say it. But it's not a big deal today. Yeah, you, you hear most of those on and broadcast the other TV thing now. That I was, the other thing I thought was kind of funny. Um, I, I, was, I can't remember what episode it was. It was <clears throat> I was watching an episode where you said, well, why do aliens always pick somebody in the middle of nowhere in a trailer park that everybody thinks is strange? And I was just going to answer that one. I was just going to say, well, maybe it's their version of cow tipping. They just want to sit back and laugh and watch the news reports and everybody talking about them. It could be. uh, Anyway. (laughs) It could be, though, also, if you had a secret plot to come and take over the planet, I don't think you, you know, popping down in New York City for your first bit might not be the best strategy. Uh, you know, you start out in a rural area and figure out, you know, let's analyze folks so that when we show up to take over the world, uh, we know exactly what we're doing. You'll hear more about that on Alex Jones' show next week, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Diablo. Well, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, on four is Cleary. Thanks for waiting. Hey. Good day, Matt. Good day, John. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, very well. Are you actually uh, down I'm under or just from there? Oh, you're well, in Tokyo. No, I'm from Sydney. But you're in Tokyo yeah, I'm, now. I'm, I live in Tokyo. I was, uh, was going to say, yeah. say you didn't have a Japanese accent. No, no. <laughs> well, I speak Japanese if you like, but uh, I, don't, I think we're going to lose some viewers there. <laughs> I love this show. It's Really, it's the best show on the whole wide web. It's just great. What a format. Prove that God exists and let the idiots flow. Good for you. I love it. Okie doke. I'm, uh, I'm, glad that, I'm glad the show's going for a bit longer, too. It's really good that we can get a bit of a dialogue at the start, longer dialogue between you guys. And uh, You yeah. said last week, Matt, that you'd like to uh, hear Tracy talk to an imam. I think you should have a whole show where it's just Tracy talking to an imam. That would be great. Sparks would fly there. I- I'm in favor. I'm right, in favor of doing well, whole shows where Tracy's the only one that says anything anyway, but... Oh, no, 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 no. We can't lose you. You're, you're great, mate. You're really good. You're, mate, you're the king of letting people interrupt you. I've got to say that. I hate it when people interrupt me, especially... I notice when you're just you mean about like this? to make your point... That... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you I love you're just about to make a point a lot of times and then the thieves butts in with something completely different or changes tack, which just shows that they weren't listening in the first place. You're you're one big bowl of desiderata. Although, although it says here that you're a theist. Yes I am. Yes, yes, yes. A big fat theist. <laughs> well not fat, but anyway. Well um, I am, so that's anyway, fine. <laughs> You're not a big fat theist. I used to be. No, I'm, I'm a big fat atheist. Way to go! Well, my, I, I, most of my not that not, my nicest friends are big fat atheists. I tell you that much. Most of my friends are atheists. 
some of the nicest people I know are atheists. All right, so well, we I'll, set really out to, good, uh, I'll set out to prove them wrong. What do you got for us? All right, mate. Well, I called him because I really feel I've got proof that the Bible wasn't written by men, which seems to be the claim of most atheists, and I believe I can show you that it's been in- inspired from, uh, like, outside our time-space continual. So, the second part of that argument from atheists seems to be that if it was originally penned by the Spirit of God, it's been changed since. So... I'm hoping to clear up those two points and give you guys in there and the viewers some food for thought, I guess. So so I um, guess the first thing is, I'm not necessarily, I, well, uh, when you say inspired by God, that still means written by men, right? Yes, written by men under the God of the Holy okay. Spirit. So, so Spirit we're, in com- we're in complete agreement that the Bible was, in fact, written by human beings. That we're in disagreement Absolutely. about. We're in dis- disagreement about whether or not they were inspired by something beyond a human being. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. How would you go about demonstrating that they were, in fact, inspired by something beyond human beings? Okay, good question, as you usually ask. I want to talk about the heptatic structures in the original Hebrew text. That's groupings of seven. In the original Hebrew text of the Old Testament, especially the Torah, and then move on to some amazing things that you'll find in the Greek text of the New Testament. Are you getting ready to to drop some Bible code stuff on us? No, well, it's not Bible codes. It's well, uh, yeah. Look, I'd have to say yes if, to that. And all is, honesty, is it about I'm is it about equidistant letter codes? Yeah, yeah. But they're very interesting. Please don't hang up. They're they're not very interesting. They're not very interesting. You can find the same thing in secular books and other things. Uh, ah, but not in the same volume. Not in the same volume, and so, not not something that's called subtext as well. So, so let's 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 presume for just a second, just uh-huh. to see if we can't save some time. Sure that, sure. that I'm willing to concede that if you go through with these equidistant letter sequences, you will find yes. all the different words that you think you've found. Please justify the claim that the best or only explanation for this is that it was inspired by a god. Okay, if you try and do this on your own, I, I'm willing to uh, put up a challenge, and I will actually donate money to the atheist uh, community there. I will, I will go onto your website and donate money. If you guys can do, uh, for example, what's, what's in the, uh, the first, uh, first 11 verses of uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, that's an apt one to pick, how the heptatic structures in that are, are uh, set up, I-, I will donate money and I'll give you a challenge. I'll, I'll, I'll lay out the uh, constraints that you have to uh, adhere to and if you guys can come up with a genealogy that sits with the same, I mean... Uh, so this doesn't uh, appear... This, this not only doesn't appear to be answering my question, but it is also Sorry. exactly mirroring the first call we've had, where essentially your challenge well, is... Uh, I, your, your, your position is that you're justified in believing that a God is necessary for this until somebody demonstrates that a human being can do it. Well, we already have computer programs that can do it. The Bible code stuff has been thoroughly investigated. We found these codes in other books as well. If you really want to put up money for this, uh, you should probably put up a mm-hmm. website, and we, we'd be happy. I'm not going to waste any time on it, but we could direct people to yeah. it, and then somebody could collect the money. The thing is, uh, the people who would probably probably be deserving of the money are the people who wrote the computer programs that make this sort of thing trivial 
Real and Easy, which you can find all over the web with a simple Google search of Bible code computer generated. But at the end of the day, you are making an argument from ignorance. You're saying your position, as you've laid it out, I said, how do we get to the justification that this requires a God? And your answer is, uh-huh. well, can a human being do it? And even if there's no human being living right now who would be capable of doing exactly what you said, uh-huh. that still doesn't prove that a God is responsible. You're also, oh, assuming, will... you're also assuming that that was intentionally done in the first place. And, and the, other, the other aspects is that both ancient Hebrew and Aramaic, the languages that we tend to find these sorts of things in, they, mm-hmm. they uh, are not only different from modern languages in, in a number of ways, uh, where modern languages are more robust, and the format of li- not every language is necessarily going to fall into the sort of patterns that we can do this, but in, for example, yes. Hebrew, Hebrew, the words are also numbers, and then we get into yes. different interpretations. Um, so, yes. so there's something not just specific to this process, but specific to a language, and uh, he, when you factor sure. all of those things in, what you should really be doing is saying, is it possible for a human being to put together in ancient Hebrew or ancient Aramaic a passage that has a similar sort of, uh, of discovery within it at the heptatic distances? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the answer to that is obviously yes, because there's nothing supernatural about those words or those orders. And so somebody could write that exact same passage, not inspired by a God. Somebody could write a passage that is very, very similar, like somebody's transcribing this passage and they get a few words wrong. Even though they've gotten a few words mm-hmm. wrong, those codes that you found still exist because the words that are wrong aren't part of the ones that we circle in our magical word find for Jesus. And, and so... And so if we had another passage where we changed some of those words and we still found these codes within them, is that also inspired by God? No, but the volume of... There are, there are thousands of these throughout but, but the... But the quantity office. doesn't do anything. So, so we have... Uh, you know, if, if everybody on the planet said that God just gave them a message, that doesn't mean that God just gave them a message. The claim needs to be supported with something beyond the claim itself. And the fact that somebody can find hidden messages in a text is neat, but it doesn't... You're, you're, you're claiming that the reason that these hidden messages exist is because there's a God. Now, I have a counter to that that has nothing to do with equidistant letter codes, and that's this. Okay. The message that I think that you would draw from all of this is that there's a God who's out there who loves us and wants us to know him. Yes. Okay. Then what the hell is he doing supporting slavery in explicit terms (laughs) and then hiding secret codes that aren't discovered until thousands of years after this? And when those codes don't tell us anything and cannot confirm his existence and don't do anything to improve the quality of life or expand our knowledge... What good is that God? To me, that is a prankster God that even if he exists, while we still don't have reason for it, to to think he exists, Mm -hmm. why would we want anything to do with Mm -hmm. him? If there's a God who exists, who wants me to know he exists, he can communicate with me without writing ancient hidden word search puzzles in a book that don't get discovered for thousands (laughs) of years. What kind of jackass does that? 
I mean, if I've got a message for my kids about this is what I want, these are the rules, this is what I want you to do, and in the rule I write, you can hit your sister as long as you don't leave any marks, and then you have to put those rules together in a list and search through every seven letter to find saying, ha, 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 just kidding. I'm a dick. Uh, No, look, I'm really sorry. uh, you're right. I un- I totally understand what you're saying, and what you're saying, I, I agree with. You're you're correct. I'm not that God's a dick. I don't think that's welcome at all. Welcome but- to atheism. <laughs> no, no way. I'll- you just said you I'll- totally I'll- agreed with me. No, I agree with you that to to, for, to have a God to have a God that that hides things and then uh, it justifies slavery and uh, or a genocide. I don't agree with those things, by the way. There are things in the Bible that I look at it and just go, "Wow, that's that's not R-rated. That, that's X-rated." So if we if we, were, if we were to remove the things in the Bible that you don't agree with, do the equidistant letter codes still work out? So let's say we were go through the Bible and we cut out the things that you personally don't agree with. We just remove them. Do we still get to the equidistant letter codes? I mean, what? No, you would not. Yeah. So no, no, no. So I mean, you know, I believe that every letter. Sorry. Okay, um, go ahead. I believe that every letter and every word has been inspired. But I'm, in what I'm, language? I mean, you can say in, in what lang- in what language? The King James, uh, well, the the New International Version, the Good News Bible. All of those are no, are ins- no, not not the English translations. I'm talking about the Hebrew text, the originals, the, uh, the originals that we don't yes, have. Sir, the, Please point to any book well, of the, the Bible. Well, the, Please point to any book of the Bible where we have an original. Well, the Torah scrolls, when you write a Torah scroll... There are no originals. There are no originals for any book in the Bible. But it's still... Well, there you go. That uh, that backs up what I'm saying. If they... (laughs) If if the codes are still uh, able to be found... Come on! No, if the codes are still able to be found then you can say that they are exactly the same as the original. No, no, no. That is circular reasoning because you're assuming that the codes are there in the original. What if the codes are only in the mistranslations? Well, then human beings are smarter than God because they put them in there. Could I, I give you one I, I'm example? in agreement there. But, but, but the problem with your argument is this. We don't have originals, so we can't say for sure what was in there. We can make some interpolations, interpretations of what might be in the originals. But if you're wanting to dismiss the English translations, which, by the way, the fine Southern Baptists and, and uh, Protestants uh, have done this equivalent uh-huh. letter code thing within the English translations, and they find that stuff as well. It does work. Well, nothing, not 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 in the volume that you find it in the Greek text and the Hebrew text. I'm talking about thousands. The only of differences are, are the differences you'd the expect from the from the changes in the language, but you can still find the stuff. They do it all the time. But have you not of read the course. book? Have I mean, you not read the book about the Bible code? It's at the half price books for like two dollars. Yeah. I I almost bought it and brought it in just to laugh at it, but I didn't want to give two dollars for it. <laughs> so it, your position is oh, all of these new translations are not actually inspired by God and only the originals are but we don't have the originals so instead you're going to go with whatever the oldest copies we have are no that's not my position I believe that the, the translations the, the English translations have been inspired by God although the, in the English translations there are mistakes there are really blatant mistakes in the English translation or transliteration of the 
and the original text. Even the first verse is incorrect. How can you how can you say that it's a, how can you say that there's been a mistake from the original text if you don't have the original text? All right, um, I, I'm only talking. Well, the, the original text has been protected and copied. How do you know I that? I believe by the well because they still work. Example of the Hebrew text, the Torah code, and the Hebrew text, which is the original, and I think it's the most important. How, how do you know it's original? Because it still exists. Because the code still exists in the. You can go to any. So, so your determination. In the world. Your your determination of whether or not it is true to the original is that it contains this code. Yes. Okay. How do you know the original contains this code? Because if it didn't, then uh, I mean it's 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 beyond reasoning to think that man can actually do this. Any any. You're you're, any all, you're assuming you're you're assuming that it's intentional first of all, mm-hmm. which you haven't demonstrated, yes. but you're also using an I, original I, you don't have, and claiming that the version you have is true to the original because you found a secret hidden message in it that you presume must have been in the original, which you presume must have come from God. Those presumptions have no justification. Okay, can I give you an example, at least? Just one quick example. I I would be happy to let you give me an example if you can tell me why this is relevant, because every time I point out the problem with this entire... If if the entire argument is invalid in structure, and each individual premise that you give us has been demonstrated to be unsound in some fashion... What good does it give us do to give us one more example in this argument? It cannot get us to truth. If a premise of an argument, either one, isn't true, then you know nothing about whether or not the conclusion is true or not. And so you can give an example, and I can already tell you that even if the example you gave was that in Ezekiel, the seven-letter code says, uh-huh. Dillahunty will be an atheist who will disprove this, it still doesn't demonstrate that a god exists. Uh, all right. Look, if you don't like the example, if when I give you the example, then you can make a judgment on it. But I haven't been actually able to give you one example of what I'm Go talking for about. It. I, I'm I'm well aware that that you're you're well aware of these codes and and what they read and and so on. But there's a there's a classic one in the Torah that the 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 the, uh, the four letters in the word Torah. The first, if you count from the very first verse of Genesis, which is Bereshit in the Hebrew, if you count from the first T, you get uh, you count forty nine letters. You get the next letter, the second letter in Torah. Why did you count forty nine? Why did you count forty nine instead Sorry? of Why did you count forty nine instead of like forty or thirty seven or twenty eight? Well, it's seven by seven. God, the, okay, you why know yourself from your because seven is God's number. Seven How do you know that seven is God's number? Because it's all the way through Scripture. It's okay, ev- so even if, even if that were the case, why wouldn't we count by sevens and not by 49? Well, seven by seven also is a big, seems to be a big number with God. He likes sevens. Sure, threes 70, are a big number with uh, God, seven. and threes are a big number with God, and so are twelves, uh, so are sixes, well, like- uh, nines. Um, is there any number that uh, I don't know that there's any number that we couldn't find significant throughout the Bible but at the end of the day even if the Bible told us that 7 is God's number it doesn't say 7 by 7 grid is God's grid 
But if you look at the hepatic structures in the Bible, you will realize that seven, even from reading the Bible, you know that there are uh, seven seals, seven days of creation, 77, seven appearances, watching themselves seven times. Seven and 70 and seven is all the way through the Bible. You know from your days in when you went to cemetery or seminary, cemetery is probably more apt. Yeah, um, it's, it's it, between seven. between it and, and the internet. That's where religions go to die. So I'm okay with calling it cemetery, <laughs> but I didn't actually go to seminary. Oh, really? Oh, I thought you went there. Sorry. No, I I learned Look, I learned enough to avoid it. Anyway, okay. So Torah, so we start at the beginning and we count up forty nine and we keep doing this and what do we find? Well, you find in Genesis, you find the word Torah, the four letters of Torah written every 49 letters that are skipped instance of 49 letters. You'll find a Tav, and then 49 letters, a Vav, 49 letters, you'll find a Resh, and 49 letters, you'll find a Hey. Now, Russell will be able to read this because I know he reads Hebrew. He's Jewish, right? So he'll be able to read this. So I'm just asking you to check out this one, and then we can take it from there. I'll call on another day. So every 49 letters in the original text, uh, I'm sorry, any Hebrew Bible that you pick up, now you can go to a bookstore and buy any any Old Testament in Hebrew and count these uh, letters and you'll find them. Okay. So Genesis, every 49 letters, it spells Torah. Okay, so what? In does it, Exodus. Does it repeat itself after, the, after the fourth letter? Did, no, does no it, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. So it's no, just it the first, it's just the um, first four. That's right. The first book in Genesis, you'll find every 49 letters spells the word Torah. Then you get to wait, Exodus. Wait, every, every 49 letters or just the first, the first group of... First group of 49, yes, John, the first group of 49. You count from the first Tav. The first word in the Bible in Hebrew is Bereshit. So you count, you, count from the the, beginning. you count from the first R? No, the first Tav. It's a, the last Hebrew letter. The oh, oh, so you're not even going 49 from the beginning. You're just finding the first. So you start at the beginning, and you go until you find the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then you start counting 49. Yes, that's right. That's well, correct. Why didn't you just start this from the beginning? The if, if, if this is God's number, and it's why wouldn't you start at the beginning and count every 49? 49, yeah. Because the Tav is the is God's signature. The Tav, the original Tav in the Pan- How do you know Hebrew, that? I've studied him. But even Sorry. if it, even if it was God's signature, where does it say that's where you should start? Why wouldn't you start at the beginning? So not only are you are you saying that this God has hidden a code and you hidden it every forty nine letters, but it's only every forty nine letters whoa, if you whoa. start at the right one. Well, it's the it's the last letter of the first word. I don't care. This is ultimately arbitrary garbage. And if in fact, if 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 in fact, the we started at the very first letter letter and every forty ninth spelled out Torah, you would be calling to tell me that. And if we started at the third letter and counted forty nine, you would be calling to tell me that. And if we started at the fifth letter, yes, you would. Yes, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry to say no. Yes. Adam, I'm almost finished, mate. Please let me... You, no, no, no. You I'm are finished. Important. You are finished. I, right. I hate to tell you, you are finished. Anybody out there can, can Google up Bible codes. They can Google up Bible code software. They can use the software on the, on the things that they write themselves. They can do it in a number of different languages. And this argument is something that I actually thought died out more than 20 years ago when they did the whole Bible <laughs> code movies. 
And well, everybody realized it's arbitrary garbage that even if it were amazing, even if it were something that were completely improbable, no matter how improbable wow. it is, that doesn't give you a justification wow. for claiming that a god did it. Because you know, you, I'd really like to finish this example. It won't take long, Matt. It really you can do it at home. Goodbye. You can finish it on your own show. It won't take long. <clears throat> People are really adept at finding patterns and things. If it had been every seven letters, yep. Instead of forty-nine, they would have. If it had been twenty-one, they would have said, "Well, it's seven times three. You know, whatever whatever you're looking for, you can find some way to tie that back to some number that you." And the thing is, they do that. When you go, if you go out and search the internet for, by the way, we're not going to get any any more callers today, so we're just going to wrap it up with this. My apologies to the three people who are still on hold. But if you get uh, and go out and do a search for Bible codes, not only will you find a bunch of books in favor of it, you'll find a bunch of uh, skeptical articles talking about this, and you'll see that the people who are desperate to show that this is the Word of God will find it. And it's not just 49 starting with God's letter. It's, hey, look, in this, in this, we take the entire book and we put it all out into a big grid and we change the size of the grid until we start to see words form. That's, that's how this is done. Yeah. And you change this and then once you find the words that, oh, wow, cool. Look, right here, when I've got the grid to this particular size, then they say, clearly this is a message. What's so significant about this size? Well, it's 49. Hey, that's seven times seven. So that's seven of, that's seven sevens. That's God's God. That's even bigger than God. And if it had been six sevens, then they would have said God and man. The number of man. This is God's communication to man. So at 42, it's seven and six. And it, we get seven and five. We, and oh, what if it's not seven at all? What if it's three? That's the Trinity. So every third letter we get something, but it could be three and seven or three and six. We could set up these, uh, you know, irregular uh, things like that. And they do it, and they do it in Hebrew, they do it in Aramaic, they do it in Greek, they do it in English, and they've done it with Moby Dick. And the secret here is that if you look hard enough and are willing to arbitrarily change the rules behind what you think you're seeing, you can justify anything. Now, if you want to put up money so that see if a human being can write something similar to a passage from Matthew that has codes that are similar, no matter how you want to arrange this, whether it's 49, maybe, do I get to use my own number? Matt, M-A-T-T, that's four. That is the number of Matt. And so we will do four by four grids, which means I can't come up with a word that's any longer than four. So I'll go with bull. And then in the second one, we'll find shit. And I will have predicted all of this. And the fact that I have predicted this and done it should not only convince people that there is a God, but that I am the God since I predicted it. Whereas the case that they're talking about with Bible codes, there's no prediction. There's no reason to go looking for this in the first place. This is mystical, number magic, Kabbalah garbage. And if you look hard enough, you can find and justify almost anything you want, anywhere you want. And we've seen this happen not just with Bible codes, but with every single denomination that points to the same holy book and comes up with a different answer about what they're supposed to do in their life and what God wants. All these people pretending to speak for God, when is he going to stand up and speak for himself? Some folks will be headed out to Threadgills. Right there is the address at the bottom. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye, folks. Hi, this is Russell Glasser, host of The Atheist Experience. 
You know, the Atheist Experience is made possible by volunteers and the generous support of viewers like you. If the promotion of positive atheist culture and separation of church and state are values that you hold, please consider contributing by becoming an ACA member or visiting our product page at EvolveFish.com under the Partner tab. Thank you. Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, you'll get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway. That's a $72 value per year. No other provider offers this. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. 